most people out there who are deconstructing, they're keeping it secret. They don't want their families to find out or even their spouse to find out or their parents or their kids or, or their church, especially, or their pastor. Right. And then to find out that there's, there's thousands and hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of us out there who have the same questions and with the same struggles. Uh, it's very validating. Today, we are talking with David Hayward, also known as the Naked Pastor. David is an author, he's an artist, and he's known for his comics all over the internet, depicting deconstruction and bringing life into the conversation of questioning religion. Today, we talk about all of the different questions we can have as we begin to realize that maybe religion isn't what we always thought it was. David talks about comforting those around us, community, and how we can question without feeling ostracized, and that it's okay to have questions, because questions are what real growth is all about. This is a good one. Let's get right to it. We are for the spiritual nomads, the outcasts, and the ones who desire to ask the hard questions. A shelter in the desert. A safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the consequences. We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe. We are brave. We are bold. We are the Reckless Pursuit. Hey everyone, welcome to The Reckless Pursuit. My name is Cody. And my name is Elaine. And we are your hosts, and this is episode 71. This week we are talking with David Hayward, also known as the Naked Pastor. But don't worry, he is clothed. Yes, he's clothed physically, but not spiritually. That just, that got weird. Okay, but David's an awesome guy. David, uh, we stumbled across his work. You may have seen his comics floating around and may have not even noticed, but David is eloquent in summing up uh, deconstruction, questioning faith, all of these things in just simple drawings that are just so relatable that it's almost scary. Well, some of them are quite comical, honestly, whenever you get into just his different comics, but then some of them are very sad but no matter what the intent of the comic is, whether it's to make you laugh or whether it's to make you think, it's all honest and it's all truth. And that's exactly why we knew we had to have David here on the show. And he responded back super snappy. He's super responsive and super quirky on email as well. <laughs> and he was like, absolutely. And we just got to talking and it ended up being just just such an enjoyable conversation, such a relatable conversation. David just has a way of making you feel at home with your questions as a person. And he does it in such an eloquent way as to not bash other people for their for their beliefs uh, in a way of not bashing the church, not bashing anyone, but just being accepting and loving. And he's just authentic and real and just a joy to talk with. And we know you guys are going to get so much from this conversation. But before we get into the conversation with David, I have a couple of quick things that I wanted to just talk about. So the Reckless Pursuit has an email list. You've heard us mention this before. Uh, we've talked about it the last week or so, and we've just we've done a terrible job in the past at of of working with our email list and, and giving authentic content. We just use it as more of a notification system. Well, guess what? That all changed. And this week, we actually took a few extra minutes after this conversation to record 
just a little bit extra for all of you guys who are subscribed to our email list. And it is a video and it's just running down a few tips uh, for everyone who has questions and how to further explore those questions. It was a great sum up of this entire conversation and really just some of the most valuable content that David shared uh, in this entire conversation we had. And so that is exclusively to those of you who uh, are part of our email list. We're going to send it out twice. So if you miss it the first time, if you're not already subscribed, we're going to send it out again to all of our new subscribers at the end of the week. So head over to the recklesspursuit.com forward slash subscribe. And there you can subscribe to our email list and get on board with all of the exclusive content, exclusive offers and promos specifically for that group that wants just a little bit more. But if not, if that's not your thing, hey, this conversation is loaded. But David brought so much to this conversation. And so if if email lists aren't your thing, that's cool. Stick around because we're about to start up this conversation with David, the naked pastor. Don't forget to go check out all of his work as well. Maybe do it while you're you're listening here even in another window or open up the the mobile uh, browser on your phone while you're listening to this on your podcast app and go check out nakedpastor.com. Links are in the show notes for that. But here comes this conversation with David Hayward, the naked pastor. We are sitting here with David Hayward. You may know him better online as the naked pastor. David, how are you? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for taking time and joining us. Uh, Elaine and I stumbled across your comic strips mm-hmm. by happenstance online, which I'm sure is how most people come to find yeah. you. Yeah. And uh, they were hilarious and sad and emotional. And I related in like a thousand and one ways. And so we knew we had to reach out as soon as as soon as yeah. we started stumbling across yeah. them. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I started um, blogging back in 2005, I think. And then I was already an artist and I figured, I'm, you know, I'm going to try cartooning, just see if I can do it. And here I am, you know, how many years later, you know, 14, 15 years later, still cartooning. So, and that's, you know, even though I write and, you know, do other art and all kinds of other things, it seems my, my uh, cartoons are the things that get spread around the most. Yeah. I think it's, I don't know. For me, I can just share why why it is for me. It's because they're simple and relatable and straight to the point. And I love it. It's just quickly digestible material that I'm just like, he gets it. <laughs> so yeah. I love it. No, that they say a picture is worth a thousand words, right? People are so quick these days, right? They're swiping and, you know, scrolling and everything. And if I can communicate something in a couple of seconds in one picture, then I think I've accomplished something. So uh, yeah, and I, ca- I tried to keep it to one frame and um, keep it simple, and they seem to be working, you know? Yeah. yeah. So just uh, let's dive into a bit of your, your backstory and, and how you became the Naked Pastor. Yeah, uh, maybe first of all, clear up the name, because a lot of people, you know, <laughs> wonder why in the world I call myself the Naked Pastor. Um And also, uh, I used to actually be a pastor of local churches. I left the ministry in 2010. But um, uh, I I chose the name because uh, I was a pastor at the time. And I wanted to be open and honest and transparent, vulnerable, tell my story as a pastor with no, you know, 
no masks on, no glossing the story or sweetening it or making it look better than it was. I wanted to be really honest about what it was like to be a pastor of local church. And so that's what naked pastor means. And um, so, uh, you know, I, I grew up a Christian, you know, in the church and everything. I came to faith in a Baptist church youth group uh, when I was like 15. And, you know, then we went, went from there. I was baptized Anglican as a baby, first of all, which I think down there is Episcopal. And, um, you know, moved around, uh, went to Pentecostal church. I went to Pentecostal Bible College. That's where I met Lisa. Then I went to Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary, which is Evangelical Seminary in Boston area. And then I got ordained Presbyterian. <laughs> you know, I've been around the block, you know. And um, I call myself my own ecumenical movement because uh, I've been everywhere. But yeah, so, uh, and then I ended up in the Vineyard Church. Have you guys heard of that? Yes, I actually, I yeah, have I heard have. of the Vineyard Church. Yeah, the Vineyard yeah. Church. So it's a kind of a mixture of evangelical and Pentecostal and modern progressive kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and so I pastored a vineyard church for many years. And then that's when I, I left the ministry in 2010. Some people say I haven't really left the ministry because I'm doing similar stuff online. Um, I have an online community called the Lasting Supper, a group of people who are, you know, um, questioning their beliefs, you know, and deconstructing, we call it. And I help people every day process stuff, you know, that they don't feel they're allowed to do in the church or whatever. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's an exciting life. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm very busy online doing all the stuff I do with the cartoons and my writing and, you know, courses and my online community and, you know, interacting with different people at different times. What led to you leaving the ministry full time? Um, I, I think, uh, I always, found myself gravitating to churches where I felt I could um, really grow in my own way. Like I felt the freedom to be me. And so the last church I was in, it felt really free. I felt really free to be me. But then um, I had uh, sort of some spiritually traumatic kind of uh, growth spurts, (laughs) let's say, that made me uh, feel, well, it, it, it threatened other people yeah. uh, in the congregation. They started wondering if I even believed in God or, you know, um, you know, all this kind of thing. And, and I wasn't strong enough in my evangelicalism, you know, kind of thing. And, right. and so uh, it was a great community, uh, wonderful people. I had a great leadership team, the wonderful church, you know, wonderful services and music and everything. And, but I, I just felt the time had come for me to, we called it an amicable divorce where uh, they went their way and I went my way that we were no longer really theologically compatible. So that's when I, I, I left. Uh, that was in 2010. What was it like leaving like a structured, uh, traditional or, you know, like the, the actual church, like what most people would have envisioned church to be, and then going and kind of doing more of an online community and reaching out to these people who who have church heard, who have been through things in church. What was that transition like emotionally? Well, um, do you guys go to church? <sighs> you know, so my backstory, <laughs> um, I was a pastor as well. Uh, I oh, got into okay. ministry. I got into ministry whenever I just turned 19. So right out of uh, high school. 
Uh, I've been in church my whole life as well. Um, she came to church in her teen yeah. years. Whenever I was a teenager, I was in a Baptist uh, church as well and kind of got connected in youth group. And so I've been in church like my whole life. Um, I was the one that was like, praise, you know, I was leader of the worship team at 15. Like that's just, that's my backstory as well. And so uh, I started serving in church as a youth pastor and a worship pastor. And I was there until I was, I think I was 23, whenever we kind of left mm-hmm. on, um, it was just, there was a lot <laughs> that could go into yeah. that. Uh, but it was just kind of a very large disagreement between myself and the leadership there and just some, uh, some tension. It was just kind of one of those things. Honestly, I had been feeling like I was not the right puzzle piece for the hole that I was trying to be put in in the first place for a little while and I just kind of ignored that for a long and it just built up tension for everyone and it was my time to go well I've had enough church hurt um from the church I was at previously and then that one and then I kind of I was really I walked away I've been done with church so many times in my life I have uh I've walked away one time yeah I walked away one time um after so we had a when I was a teenager, I had a uh, like a praise and worship band that like we'd travel to other churches. Well, we were also the praise and worship band at the church, and we got griped out for borrowing the drums we were told to borrow. One of the little old ladies told my drummer she wishes his sticks would break so he quit playing in service, and I was told I was to be seen, not heard, playing guitar on stage to keep the youth calm. Oh, and wow. so I left, and I'm like, I'm never stepping foot back in another one of these stupid buildings, and I ended up at a church, and I'm like, I'm never stepping foot back on stage. I ended up being the worship pastor, and of course, again, stepped out so right now we're taking a more nomadic approach yeah, to church kind of in and out of different churches different denominations like we we left the church i get we left the church I, a year and a half ago yeah yeah over a year and a half ago and so we've kind of been in and out but we don't really have like a church home or a community that we just go to every week yeah well that's why i asked you guys um because um like what lisa and i will visit a church there's mm-hmm. a certain church you know it's an hour or more away so we don't get mm-hmm. there much and lisa works shift work as a nurse but there's a church we go we feel safe at and it's really good and gracious and you know there's no pressure or at all so we'll visit that but i'll tell you and you guys probably know that and that this and this is why i asked you i think the church's greatest commodity is community i mean when you walk into a church you're handed community on a platter you've got an instant network of relationships and meetings and babysitters and you know you name it you're just handed all these relationships on a platter and hopefully it'll work you know unfortunately i see a lot of churches abuse that incredible asset so when a lot of people leave the church there's a sudden onslaught of real loneliness and and we we don't know where where can you find anything like that where you can make friends and you know and you know i'd also have hard times making friends like lisa and i've had to work hard at re-establishing relationships with people and working up a network of friends that the church gave us just by being there right so you know, that's, that's been the hardest thing for me. Uh, online relationships, I value them. They're real. Um, you know, I, they're, they're really great friends I have that I've met, never met face-to-face. But there is something about the face-to-face, right? And, yeah. and um, you know, so I have to work on those at, on, on relationships on two levels. So my online relationships, I value and nurture those. And our face-to-face relationships, we value and we nurture those. But it's a lot of work. And, um, you know, it, I know a lot of people who've left the church who just end up really lonely um, because, um, you know, 
it is a lot of work to to uh, build up relationships and friendships, as you guys might know. Yeah, and I, I know you'll relate to this too. But when you come out of a place of leadership and you step down, and you're still you still want to have relationships with those people you care about, but mm. at the same time, sometimes you may not always be deemed in the best light, or you right. may kind of appear as a threat. I know I, I've been in situations like that where it's like, well. I, f- I fear saying so many things or I don't want to talk. I have people that like want to want to talk to me about stuff and it's just not my passion because I don't want to inadvertently say the wrong thing. Like they're still there. They're still actively f- like feel that's where they're supposed to be at. And it's not my mission to try to pull them out of that. Like no, that's that's right. where they're at. And so uh, yeah. you try to maintain those things. But then at the same time, like you're still considered like pretty churchy. Like we still have like a lot of churchy attributes and so like the people that we're drawn to like i was kind of laughing because i'm like man we're drawn to these people who like want nothing to do with church and we came out of like church leadership so i guess we get it but at the same (laughs) time like i'm like how do i talk i don't know what i'm doing here but that's why we pursued podcasting was because we missed that community we weren't able to see those people all the time and so Mm -hmm. like that's what podcasting is to us that that is our community Right, yeah. right, yeah, and and like I said, the the online relationships I have and the people that reach out to me, like so, for example, today I did a post on um, uh, questions. Questioning your beliefs can be scary, so you know I've already heard from a couple people already today. Like, yeah, this is really scary. I have nobody to talk to. Um, I don't know what to do. How do I do this? How do I proceed? You know, um, when you're in the church, you can process stuff. Maybe not questions, depends, but, you know, you can process stuff and you've got fellowship and support and people who will pray for you, you know, all that stuff, right? But when you're outside of the church, um, all of a sudden you're on your own. You really are. It's when you leave the church, I compare them to spiritual refugees. You're just on your own. You have no resources. You have no home. You have no country. <laughs> you know, you have no citizenship anywhere. And where do these people gather? except in, you know, internment camps or something, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it, it really is a difficult um, space for a lot, a lot of people to be in. And on top of that, if you've been in leadership or ministry or were a pastor or something like that, you know, you slap that whole dynamic onto that, you know, it's, it's a horrible um, traumatic adjustment for a lot of people, for sure. Yeah. Why are churches so afraid of people questioning the, the faith? Why is that such a big deal? Oh, because it's chaotic. You, the the, the one thing, it, it, any relationships, the problem is control. Any relationship, from a marriage to uh, parents, children, to a classroom, to you know, a business, to church. It's so important that you control the people. <laughs> that somehow you keep things in order, right? Questions are going to upset that. They're gonna they're gonna inject chaos into the community and personally i like chaos because chaos chaos can be creative there's a lot of churches that just are threatened and leadership that's threatened by chaos and by questions because you know it, it what what would a pastor prefer uh, somebody who is who is confident in their faith and in their belief and never question and totally uh, obedient and totally righteous and totally always on their game or somebody who's like, I don't know. I don't know if I believe in hell anymore. You know, I'm, I'm really struggling here. Which which do you prefer? <laughs> you know, on the one hand, you've got, you know, somebody who's really dealing with real questions, but it's messy and chaotic and, and unpredictable. And on the other hand, you've got 
you know, it's very clean, controllable, and predictable. I agree. I agree. Churches definitely, um, whether they realize it or not, it's all about control. And I, I feel like that's a big epidemic in modern church, I guess, because honestly, I think from from a pastoral background, sometimes it's not even like I want to control people as I just want to get through today and not have to deal with more drama. And so it's it's easier. It makes your life easier whenever things just go according to plan, just like anything. If, if things are just going with a flow, you don't have to try to to fight against it or you don't have to try to think. And I think that's a big issue, too, with with church nowadays is we kind of spoon feed everyone and we don't actually try to take in information for ourselves or ask, well, why do we think this? Why do we think that? And I think that there's just uh, there's a lack of of questions in church. And then the ones that do ask questions kind of they're ostracized. Yeah, kind yeah. of get cut out from the pack. So in, in that same vein, what uh, let's just talk for a second about someone who is maybe starting to have questions. So when you were starting to question things, what were some of those initial thoughts? And, and the reason I ask is because there, I'm sure there's a lot of people and uh, that are in church and we kind of cater toward people who are out of church because they ask questions and also people who are on the forefront who just don't feel safe in their church asking the questions they have. So catering to that, that second crowd, you have a group of people who are noticing like, I'm, I'm, I have these thoughts, but I don't feel safe going anywhere. What is that like? What does that look like? What does that feel like initially? Um, before that I answer that, can I, can I just round up uh, the previous thought? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Like, I don't know if you guys are parents or not, but um, with our kids, like we have three adult kids. It's, Life is so much easier if they would all just be good, squeaky clean kids and never explore, never take risks, never do anything different than what's expected, always obey. You know, um, it just makes life so much easier. And it's not, you know, even, even to this day, they're all adults and they like doing adventure things, right? Like climbing mountains and jumping out of airplanes and deep sea diving with uh, sharks and whales. And, you know, I, I'm like, why can't you just, you know, stay home on your computer? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's just it's a legitimate, <laughs> this life's just easier when, yeah. when people, you know, walk that narrow line. So that, that's, that's why, you know, I, I don't, you know, necessarily condemn you know, leaders who discourage questions and all that. It, it's more like, it's just more comfortable. It's just easier. Life's just easier when you avoid questions. But for the individual, however, like you or you or me, um, when we, we start asking questions, you know, for me, for me, um, it was the uh, inerrancy and inspiration of scripture. That's like, I, I've always been a Bible freak. Ever since I was in my youth, like I had a Bible, I I had it all underlined in every color of the rainbow, notes in the margins, you know, the interlinear Bible, the new international version Bible, the living Bible, the good news for modern man, you know, you name, I had everything. And, And then I went to Bible college and got a degree in Bible. And then I went to seminary and got another degree in New Testament. And then I went, I studied, you know, Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, you know, I was, I was into the Bible totally. And, and then, then all of a sudden it was like, I started to, I read this one book and it, it, it started to, it really rocked my assumptions about the inspiration and the inerrancy of scripture that, 
you know, maybe this isn't all inspired by God and divinely, you know, downloaded out of heaven onto paper or parchment or whatever. Right. And so for me, it was like the Jenga tower, you know, the Jenga block game. And for me, the inspiration of scripture was the very bottom one that pulled out and everything crumbled. That's, that's how it started with me. Yeah. Way back. I, I wondered, okay, is, was it a whale or a great fish that swallowed or, you know, was the earth created in six days or, you know, all this kind of thing. And, but what, when it came to, um, you know, the historical Jesus, for example, and what did he say and what didn't he say and all this kind of thing. That's when, that's when everything started to crumble for me. At what point in the crumbling did you realize like you couldn't bring these types of things to your, to your church? Or were you ever in a place where you felt like you couldn't share um, what was on your mind at your church? Was that ever a controversy for you? On the one hand, I felt I was really vulnerable and transparent because I, I was the naked pastor while I was a pastor and, and the people knew that. Um, and I was doing my cartoons and poking fun and, you know, crit- critiquing the abuses of the church and, you know, making fun of pastors because I was one and, and, you know, all this kind of thing. And I, on the one hand, I felt I was really honest, but also at the same time, I was going through my own internal story of deconstructing and questioning and, and everything. And, you know, it was in, uh, it was about 2009 when things started really unraveling quickly and I'd sort of had a, this spiritual breakthrough. And then, and then I started writing about it in my blog, um, on nakedpastor.com. And, uh, you know, up to that point, my, my congregation, they never read my blog. They were like, we got, we have to listen to you twice a week. Why do we want to read your blog kind of thing? And, and so, uh, you know, I, I was just writing about my spiritual process and all that kind of thing. But they, they were hearing from other people, from other churches, hey, what's going on with your pastor? <laughs> you know, and uh, I was getting calls from, you know, the higher ups in my denomination, you know, maybe you should run your posts through us first so we can approve them or not. And I'm like, eh. I saw the end coming then when. Yeah, I get that. So how has writing or or drawing these comic strips helped you or helped others with their deconstructing and questioning their faith? You know what I think the big thing is? You know what I think the the biggest thing they do is they validate people's questions. I agree. (laughs) People are like, holy smokes, I'm not alone. I'm not going crazy. Mm -hmm. Like this, here's somebody else who gets it. You know, they, they, they've been through this, this, this must happen to other people because most most people out there who are deconstructing they're keeping it secret they don't want their families to find out or even their spouse to find out or their parents or their kids or or their church especially or their pastor right and then to find out that there's there's thousands and hundreds of thousands maybe millions of us out there who have the same questions and with the same struggles uh it's very validating for for these people and that starts a whole other journey it's like okay this is a thing. This is real. This is, this is a thing. I must be on some kind of a spiritual growth spectrum thing. I'm, I'm going to check this out. And they start, you know, affirming themselves and, and seeing this as a normal part of spiritual growth. Because, you know, in any kind of spiritual growth, you, you have to go through a, a, a dark valley. You have to go through a dark night of the soul. You have to go through night. You have to go through a, a deep period of deep questioning, right? It's, it's just normal in any, 
any discipline, any religion, any spiritual growth, uh, there's, there's got to be that period of time when you, you question everything. So that's what my cartoons do. I think number one is they just validate people and they're like, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. For people who are deconstructing, since we've used that term, uh, what is like, how can they find community? Because like you were saying, it's, it's mostly internal. It's something that starts because honestly, I don't know if this is normal for everyone, kind of like what you were saying, we all kind of start in our mind and we're thinking about it. And I know with me, and I've probably had a couple of times in my life where I've like, quote unquote, deconstructed things. And even recently, I'm, I'm in that phase now. I'm like, wow, there's so much controversy in this book. And there's a lot of things that contradict and what's truth and what isn't. And did Paul really write these books? And is hell really a place? And I'm, I'm in that mode too, you know, like I think a lot of us are. And how can we help people realize that A, they're not alone, and B, help find community on the other side whenever typically asking questions like that is, is often frowned upon in their, in their current communities? That's such a, an important question, really, really. Uh, because like I said, the, the, the church's greatest asset, you know, besides, you know, having the truth and Jesus and God, all that stuff is, is community. And the, the, the number one symptom of people who leave the church, I think um, mostly what I see is loneliness. Um, but how do you, how do you gather? Right. Yeah. yeah it, it's, you know, uh, first of all, here's something I've noticed about a lot of people who leave the church. They're suspicious of authority anymore and leadership and yes. groups. Yes. They're like, they're like, I, I, I was screwed over by so many, you know, groups or communities or whatever that were promising to help me that, I, you know, uh, I'm very aware of that. And I re totally respect that. Um, their suspicion of, of leadership and people who claim to be gurus or, or leaders or, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, and, and they're very suspicious of, of, of groups. So, so my, my online community, I call it the last thing supper. There's no, like I, even though I'm the facilitator, mm -hmm. uh, it's very hands off and we just talk and, uh, you know, and it's all online. It's very safe. There's no meetings. There's, you know, yeah. you come when you want, you leave when you want, you speak when you want, you don't have to say a thing. You can lurk or you can be totally involved. So <clears throat> I think that's what's working for people. It's, it's mm -hmm. very, very safe. I, I'm even, you know, you know, even after all these years, and, and I already mentioned I all visit a church now and then, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I'm very uh, suspicious now of, yeah. of, you know, churches and communities and things like that. Mm -hmm. I, and you know what? I've tried. I've tried other things to replace community i even tried toastmasters have you heard of toastmasters yeah 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 we've I talked about it that. as well and it was like man this just this feels a lot the same i feel like you know i've got all these expectations and 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 you know time limits and you know i got to be presenting myself and i got to be doing this and doing that and i got to be at a certain place at a certain time for so long and you know all this kind of stuff it just was way too triggering so, and I think a lot of people find that with the, and that's the difficulty with people who are leaving the church is like I said, they're like spiritual refugees. Where, where do you, where do you gather? It's, it is a really difficult thing. Well, and I think churches, this is what led to a lot of our hurt as well, but the abuse of this thing I'm about to say, but like churches do a fantastic job of garnering intimacy. 
because you have that vulnerability. And anytime you're vulnerable with someone, it gives like it gives a sense of security and intimacy with these people. You can talk about your struggles. You can talk about these things. The problem is, it's you can do this within limitation. And a lot of people, I think, walked away feeling like anything they may have said at some point, maybe something got brought back up. Could be used against them because it oh, happened absolutely. to us. <laughs> and so then anytime yeah. moving forward, um, and I'm sure you understand this because you've been in this game uh, quite a bit longer than us, but getting people to connect is hard because they're afraid. So it's easy on something like Reddit where everyone can hide behind a username. Right. But taking it across the board to something where even like Facebook, it's smaller and it gets smaller. The more you can find out about someone, the less likely someone is to share because they're hurt. They've right. been intimate, they've been vulnerable before, and now they're in this place where, I mean, it takes time to build up trust with people again. And and like you said, there's this much greater awareness. I feel like, so I have a vision board hanging on my wall over here of like everything, because we do that at New Year, we're like, hey, this is what we want our New Year to look like, this is our goals for the year, et cetera, things we want to work on. And I have on mine plastered in the middle and it says, I'm a goat. <laughs> and because... Not that I necessarily identify as a goat, but I'm like, if I walk into a church, like these poor people, because I can pick them apart so quickly and I don't need to do that, but it's just my it just innate happens. reaction now. Yeah. Like I can find all of these things that like, and it's really for like my own self-preservation, right? Because that's what we all want is to feel safe. Right. And so I, I feel bad walking into churches and that's kind of why we're in a phase right now where we're trying to be more nomadic because if I put down roots anywhere, and then especially if anywhere finds out my past in ministry and what all I've done, it goes from like, hi, you're in the, like the, the pews to come, you know, come do something. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you don't want me there right now because I am probably not healthy for you in that moment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I don't know if you have any, any relation to that or not, but that's like where I'm at right now. So I identify with that. Yeah. I, I, um, there was a, a time after I left the ministry <clears throat> and the church in 2010 where um, and you, you'll get this is, uh, what, what do I do with my, with right. my life? I mean, I'm, I'm a, missing my calling. Yeah, I know my, it's so traumatic for pastors who leave the ministry and, um, leaders who leave the ministry of any kind, mm -hmm. because our whole identity, our, the way we shaped our character, our destiny, you know, our, any prophetic words you might have got, and, you know, all this kind of stuff, the meaning of life, pur purpose, <laughs> yeah, your calling, vocation. You know, I went from the uh, doing ministry to uh, teaching in a university for two years. And now I'm, I do my own businesses. And uh, like, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just hugely traumatic. So there was, there was a time there where I was wondering, should I maybe start something or, you know, maybe start mm -hmm. a, a home group kind of thing yeah. with my own mm -hmm. like, or should I maybe, and I actually did that. I actually rented a room a couple of times and made announcements where I was going to do a presentation on, you know, uh, I don't want to go to church anymore. Now what kind of thing, or, you know, talk and, you know, <laughs> a few of my friends would show up or something like, I, I, I didn't know what I was supposed to do, you know, and it took a long time for me to finally uh, break free from, all that stuff. Now, you know, it's, it's been nine years now. So I feel very clean now going into a church. I don't feel any strings attached. I don't feel like I'm going to get triggered. I, I don't feel like I'm going to get, 
pulled back in, you know, yeah. like in the Godfather, just when you think you're free, they pull you back in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, so I, I feel totally beyond that now and uh, very happy and very free, but it took a heck of a long time. It took years. Yeah. It took years. I think that's beautiful too, is just giving people time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. in, uh, at least in the environment I've come out of, we were a, a group of people that didn't know how to not do it was like everything has to be do something, do something, do something because our value is wrapped up in what we did, mm-hmm. you know, more so than just being and existing. Um, and so that's something like I'm having to learn and I'm still I'm a, I'm a year and a half out of it, but I'm still going through it is like I don't have to constantly be doing to have value or purpose mm-hmm. to other people, to myself, to God. And so that's that's been a huge thing. So thank you for saying that. You have a comic strip that we saw and it was. And I apologize if this is slightly off. It's been a couple of weeks since I've seen it. It was a person walking away, and one of the the clips was they had a thought bubble with questions, and they were just walking with their questions. And then it came from the other perspective. Satan was carrying them away from the church. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I, I loved it so much because I'm like, wow, that is that's Accurate. dead on. Yeah. So from someone who has these questions, how can they help? their friends, because a lot of us still do try to keep connections with those that we were close to. How can we help other people? Or do you have a message for other people on the other side to help realize that maybe Satan isn't gone? Maybe they're not backsliding. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I have a few cartoons like that. So there's one where uh, I think it's a woman leaving the church and, and she's having questions. And I think it says on above her spiritually growing maybe. And Mm -hmm. then the people inside the church have thought bubbles. She's backsliding. She's being deceived, you know, and all this kind of thing. And, um, you know, that's part of the, that's part of the growth process uh, is when your beliefs are changing, there's that weird time when you're still believing the stuff you no longer believe in. Like it's, it's really bizarre. So a lot, like, you know, I've had a lot of people say, well, why don't you just stop? Like, it's just like not believing in Santa or, the tooth fairy or whatever. I was like, no, 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 this is different. Like, cause it's like totally enmeshed in our lives and in our thinking and everything. And I remember lying in my bed at night, breaking out in a cold sweat, afraid that God was going to send me to hell, even though, oh, yeah. b- because I didn't believe in hell, you know, mm. you know what I mean? No, like, yeah, I completely gonna, get that. You don't believe in hell. You're going to hell. You know, yeah. kind of thing. And it's just that weird. It's, yeah. It is that weird where you're, you know, you, you're kind of stuck in between this uh, mythology that you really believe is true and, and understanding that a lot of that is mythology and trying to somehow um, live a, a, a new life clean, almost like getting off a drug, right? It's, it's, like you're, it's like you're in rehab, and that's a weird place to be in because you're no longer on drugs, but you're still affected by them. And there's a, that weird, that's, that's, that's a good cartoon. I'm going to draw something like that. <laughs> it's that rehab time yeah. when you're, that's good. you're coming off, but you're starting clean. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and awesome. uh, it takes a long time. It took me a long time to really come clean. And, uh, you know, still once in a while, you know, a, a thought will dart through my mind that where the heck that come from. Um, but, you know, it just shows you how deeply embedded we were in, in those beliefs and practices. You know, something that really helped trigger my second round of deconstruction, if you want to call it that, 
was kind of coming to understand the way the Jewish Bible was intended to be interpreted, or I guess better yet, the the understanding of how in traditional uh, Jewish culture, the Bible was interpreted by the reader and was supposed to be more open-ended and more allegorical and all of these things versus our Western view of this is absolute truth because whoever read this in Hebrew interpreted that way and that's that. Especially in the Bible Belt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're in the Bible Belt, so it's even yeah. worse. Like, I feel like we're no, really, no, we really get it, you know, like if it's not God and guns, then you're out the door yes, kind of. Uh, kind of <laughs> so to be a liberal Christian or to have even like a neutral mindset anywhere is like, oh, you're one of those people, yeah. you know? And so uh, do you have any thoughts? I mean, just to try to help enlighten people of maybe like, hey, not everything you read has to be read this way and that's okay. What are, what are some thoughts on that you have or maybe some experiences you could share? Well, it's like, I, I said before, for me, um, the the whole concept of the inerrancy and the inspiration and everything of Scripture was central to everything I believed in. And then, you know, yeah, things like history, um, the Jewish uh, method of interpretation, which is various as well, um, you know, um, the historical Jesus research, uh, and then, you know, newer studies that are coming out about the remarkable similarities between different religions in that region at that time and, and the similarities between them and all that kind of thing and the mythologies, all this kind of thing. It just eventually just, it's like mice gnawing on the ropes. Eventually they're going to snap. Like it's just, you know, and, and, um, but there's, there's books out there. There's teachers out there. There's, there's, there's stuff out there to prepare you or to not, not prepare you because you really can't prepare for it to inform yourself as you're going through it. So you, you know, you, you start by reading even evangelical Bible scholars, but then you move on to less evangelical Bible scholars mm -hmm. or yep, progressive absolutely. Bible scholars or liberal Bible scholars mm -hmm. or atheist yep. Bible scholars. And there are some, so you, you just keep moving along and finding books that inform you. And I always recommend read over your head, you know, like get pulled deeper into the deep end. Um, and, and don't be afraid. Uh, that, that's something that I had to get over was being afraid of, of reading, uh, you know, illicit material. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Right. Realizing like, you're not going to go to hell for reading a book. Yeah. Man, oh, well, I was told I was going to. I, yeah, I, I, I get remember it. being told you shouldn't be reading that. And, and um, you know, so, yeah, I just recommend read, study, research, you know, do the work, put the work in. I, I try to stay physically fit and I watch what I eat. Um, I do my exercises and I run and, you know, I, I try to maintain a positive attitude <laughs> and uh, think positive thoughts. And I, I, you know, I'm trying to take care of myself. I'm getting older. I want to live a long time more. I, I have a lot more work to do and I'm having fun and I want to keep, why, why don't we put that same kind of effort into our spiritual life and, and feed it, nourish it, you know, get it pumped up, <laughs> grow, you know, and, uh, and, and uh, stretch yourself beyond uh, where you're, you've been your whole life. So that's what I recommend. Well, and that's, that's so brilliant to me. It even, so I don't, I don't know if you're an, an Enneagram person or not, but yeah. we just got through going through it and I'm a five apparently. So that means I want all the information I can possibly get my hands on. I'm like, well, that makes sense. I completely agree. But mm -hmm. one of my biggest pet peeves, I used to have this conversation 
uh, when I was young with my with my mother, and she's like, well, I just don't like reading the Bible because I don't understand it, or I just don't like trying to understand these books because I just don't get the wording, or I don't understand what they mean by this. And my always my argument, and continued on throughout my life with anyone who brings this up, is just start. It doesn't matter if you get it or not because you're never going to get it if you don't try. Yeah. Like if you don't get out there, you put yourself out there, you try to read it, you try to comprehend it. That's the beauty of everything we get our hands on. And right. and I think like so many times with even like with the Bible, we take it verbatim with how someone teaches it to us. But we all know, and this is commonly taught in church, so we should know this, that scripture is beautiful enough to get something new out of it every single time for that person. It's directed for you and your moment in life. You know, it's it's poetic and it's supposed to speak to us. And we should adventure out. We should learn. We should take on new things. I know... Um, I've been shunned before for studying practices of witchcraft. I've read part of the Satanic Bible. I have a Quran laying on my desk. People freak out sometimes at me for this. And I'm like, why? What is so scary to about understand it? understand the world around you, and then it's just so condemned by the church. <laughs> I one time, uh, you, you reminded me years ago, when I was a pastor of, of this vineyard church, I'd picked up, a, I'd read a review somewhere about this, witch who wrote, wrote a book on witchcraft. I think her name was Raven Wolf or something. And um, she wrote a book on sort of an introduction to witchcraft. And, and I said, you know, I don't want to read that book because in the vineyard movement and in the renewal movement, there was a lot of talk about witchcraft, right? In a negative way, like it, which that's witchcraft and all that kind of thing. And so I thought, I'm going to read uh, actually witchcraft and find out what witchcraft is actually all about. And I was surprised at the similarities, oh yeah. man, it's in between yeah. what witches practice, good witches, I mean white witches, and and um, what we were doing as a vineyard church. <laughs> so I actually preached a sermon on it. I preached a sermon on it, showing here's the similarities between what we do, right down to communion, um, making proclamations, uh, casting out demons of regions, um, you know. Uh, putting hands on people and transferring, you know, blessing them or whatever, all the, all this stuff. And I was drawing all these similarities and by the end of everybody was sitting there like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, it's funny. You say that I have a friend um, who I used to work with and this was when I was a pastor and he grew up, his family um, is kind mm -hmm. of Catholic, but you know, it's like they're Catholic descent, but they're not practitioners of it. And uh, we were, we used to go running at night because we got off late. We got off at like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And so we would go running and uh, he was hardcore agnostic. Um, so he was open to spiritual things, but definitely not God. And I was talking to him and he's like, you know, I just can't get behind Christianity because blood magic is way too strong for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is so weird, but yeah. so true. Like, yeah. he's that's like, funny. yeah, that's the worst That's the worst type of witchcraft. I just can't get into that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, oh, well, okay. That's, uh, I don't really know how to argue at that point, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So to sum up all of this, uh, I have a couple things. Normally, we like to ask, we like to leave um, our guests being able to ask a question instead of a final statement, but I actually have two final questions I would like you to be able to ask. One is if you could say something to the traditional uh, church building, the way most people imagine church, if you could say something to the church institution to try to enlighten them on behalf of these people who have stepped away, what would that be? I would honestly, I'd still be there if I was allowed to grow the way I felt I needed to. I wasn't trying to 
you know, give it the finger or betray it or, um, you know, whatever. I, I was genuinely trying to grow with integrity. And I, I thought that's always been my sort of uh, theme in life is, uh, is personal growth. And I've just constantly been growing. And, and so I, I really do feel that if that was respected and I was given space for that, I'd still be there. That's why there's a church that Lisa and I will visit once in a while because I feel that they offer that space for people to grow at their own rate in any direction, you know? So you have, and it's like on the lasting supper, it's very diverse. There's people who, who are believers still going to church all the way to atheists who will never darken the door of a church again. Right. Kind of things. And very diverse community. And I think that's what makes a rich, um, you know, community is this diversity. So that's what I would recommend is uh, welcome the diversity and, and provide space for people to ask questions and to grow and to be who they are, you know, so that, that includes not just theology, but also, you know, maybe even lifestyles. So, yeah, that's good. And then the, the second thing is if you could ask a question to help them, to help someone process, to give them something to think about who is maybe in the process of deconstruction or is starting to have these questions, what question would you ask them? How far down the rabbit hole? <laughs> Isn't that how it goes? How far are you willing to go? Seriously, how far are you willing to go? Because uh, um, I, I, I honestly ask that to people who are interested in spiritual growth. How far are you willing to go? And um, the more open-ended you are, I, I always tell people when they, when they say, when they want to talk with me about deconstruction, I said, now listen, I'm never going to give up on Jesus or on God. I just want you to know that right up front. I'm always like, okay, well, Fasten your seatbelt. Let's see what happens. <laughs> right? Not that they're going to, but you can't predict where you're going to end up on a genuine uh, adventure or, or journey or exploration, spiritual growth. You can't, you can't predict where you're going to end up. So that's my question is how far are you willing to go? That's good. Yeah. David, where can everyone find uh, the Naked Pastor? Nakedpastor.com. Make sure you keep those two words together, though, because if you Google naked and pastor, you're going to see some stuff that you cannot unsee. Yeah. So uh. just uh, nakedpastor.com. That's where I'm at. And then, you know, from there, you, I'm on all social media as Naked Pastor as well. Okay. And I sell my art in, on Etsy and I sell my books on Amazon. So, yeah. Very cool. Awesome. And we will have all of the links for everything where you can get his art. You can find his uh, his posts and read his blogs and see his comics and find him on social and find his books all in the show notes below and david thank you so much thank for you. taking time and just yeah, it's, uh, been fun. it's just been like we've been sitting across from a, a table in a coffee shop just chatting it's been good i love yes. it i love yeah. it i'm i'm ready for us to be able to to do that um i'm ready for technology to advance where that can happen yeah. on a more real great. level than just a tv but yeah. awesome thank you so much <laughs> yeah Hey guys, so we just wanted to thank David again for being on the show with us, for, for just talking about questioning faith and questioning religion and deconstruction and just being open and honest and, and just allowing people the freedom to just express themselves on their spiritual journey. I love David's final question. How deep down the rabbit hole are you willing to go to remember not to set limitations on yourself when you start having these questions? Because we can't put God in a box. We can't put our questions in a box where that's it's the native desire that 
that uh, desire in our hearts. It's an, an, an innate thing to want to know more when we start down this. And just to remember that you're not a bad person for having these questions. Just don't forget that we have an exclusive bit of content just for our email list, guys, therecklesspursuit.com forward slash subscribe. You can hop on board with that and get that exclusive final bit of content video with David. Of course, there'll be clips from this all over our social. You can find us everywhere. And most importantly, go find David, read his comics, relate, laugh, cry, cringe, all of it. But just know that you're not alone out there questioning faith, questioning, deconstructing. It's okay to have questions and that doesn't make you a heretic. But thank you again, David. You're awesome. Also, be looking forward to David coming back on the show in the not-too-distant future to talk about one of the most controversial topics in Christian circles to date. This episode is going to be intense. We are going to try to work it into this one, but there's just way too much there to try to sum it up. So David's hopping back on a call with us very soon to work that out. So be looking forward to that as well. Guys, we have a community just for this, as does David. Go find his in the show notes below. And of course, the Reckless community, you can find us in the show notes below as well. We would love to keep the conversation going with you. Also, if you haven't done so so far, we would greatly appreciate it if you'd go click that box and leave an honest review. That helps us to know what we're doing well and how we can better serve you moving forward. And if you enjoy this episode, be sure to share it on with a friend. That's the best way to keep the conversation going. We love you guys. And as always, be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll, we'll talk, talk soon. soon.